and you believe this is true? I want you to remember that question. I know the choir just sat down, but I'm gonna ask you now to stand for the reading of God's word. As I read it and then preach, if you're new here, or worshiping with us online, or watching later, this is recorded, I do believe it's true. And there are many people in here who believe it's true. Many all over the world who are worshiping the Lord who believe it's true. But there are also many who give the appearance of believing it's true and don't have the true assurance of salvation. They know the anthems, they know the songs, they know the words, they know the rhythms, they know the liturgies, but they don't know him. And I want all who are here tonight, or all who are listening later, to know that you are his, that you belong to him, or to know you don't, but to not live in this in-between. You don't have to. It's called the assurance of salvation, and that's a gift from God. I'm gonna be reading from the book of Luke, and Luke was a doctor, and at the very beginning of Luke, he tells us why he is writing. He is writing to an individual named Theophilus, and he says, I'm writing you an orderly account, and he's a physician. He's bright, details matter. And so what you're hearing is his hand being led by the Holy Spirit to record the accounts of those who witnessed these things. They saw them, they heard them, and they told the story. And 2,000 plus years later, we're telling the same story because it's the most important story ever told. So I'm gonna pick up where shepherds who were despised people, honestly, the only people more despised were the lepers. Shepherds were not allowed to testify in court. Their word didn't matter. They were dirty, filthy, and yet, when God broke in to reveal his plan of redemption, that's where he went and to whom he went. And this is what happened. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom his favor, he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, as we open your holy word, we know that without the work of the Holy Spirit, without his illuminating work, the illuminating work that is required for our hearts and minds to see, to think, to feel, to know, God, we pray you would do it, that you would draw all of us in, no matter how long we have walked with you or if we're yet to walk with you, you would draw us in, and that like Mary, we would treasure what we hear. We would ponder these things. Like the shepherds, we would proclaim the good news. We would be transformed even this night again by the wonder of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You ever seen an adult throw a tantrum? Well, if you're an adult and you've seen yourself throw a tantrum, you know what it's like. Have you ever seen an adult throw a tantrum in the Holy Land? I did. I really did. I I hope many of the people that were on the team I went with didn't see it, but I was throwing a tantrum. I hope most of it was inside me, but I was really, really upset. And it was in Bethlehem. It was in the place where they said, this is possible, where Jesus was born. This is highly likely. And so I waited about an hour and a half in a line to go see this particular spot, and we were cramped. There was so many people And on the way in, there were so many things that you could buy and sell and see and smell and touch. So ornate. And some of you have been there. You've seen it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I I was so excited to be there. But I began to feel nauseous. I began to feel claustrophobic. I began to get frustrated, even with my own response to what was happening around me. So much so that when I had my 30 seconds, maybe not even that much, to, to kneel down, to look, say a prayer or whatever, and leave, that I, I just was beside myself. So I left the group. My family, there were seven of us there, and the rest was about 30 other people from our church. And I just had to get away. I was having a tantrum. I really was. It was selfish. I didn't care what anybody else's experience was like. I was just deeply discouraged by my own experience. And so I retreated. I didn't lay on the ground and throw my arms around, but inside that's what was happening. And so I retreated. I went as far away from people as I could get. And then I heard the gentle voice of the Lord. And it's it's not an audible voice, but it's the Lord's voice. And it was simply this, look up. Look up. And I did. And that's all I heard, look up. So I sit there for a few minutes, wondering why did I sense the Lord say look up? And then it became clear. Everything around you in this area where they say my my child, my son was born, it's changed so much. So much rebuilding, so much restructuring, so much marketing much of it by the church, but look up. This is the sky where the angels broke through. This is the sky, and nothing about the sky has changed. And then this tantrum just calmed, 
and I begin to melt, and I begin to sense what must it have looked like in the dead of night for these shepherds who were simply doing their jobs. They were not looking for the Messiah. They were not expecting anything different this night, and so often that's how God moves. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you begin to have thoughts about the Lord. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you begin to wonder if you truly are saved. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you begin to wonder who you are in Christ, or if you're in Christ. You weren't expecting it, but suddenly there's a moment. This is what it was like for these shepherds. They didn't have a calendar that said it could be today. They simply were doing their job. A job that had many in their communities despise them. And that's who God chose to reveal himself to. It's pretty amazing. God moves in so many specific ways to reveal to us his grace and mercy. And here it's clearly seen. It's to these shepherds. It says that God, the angel, appeared suddenly. And all of a sudden, this glory is present. And every time an angel is seen, there's fear. And if you don't have fear of God, then none of this is going to really matter to you tonight. If God was to show up present in a way we could see him, every one of us would drop flat down. You wouldn't be like, maybe I want to, maybe I don't. What is she doing? What is he doing? What's Mark doing? You would just drop. And that's what's going to happen when he returns. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is not something to play around with. This is the reality of this living God breaking through to rescue his people. And so when the shepherds, who are pretty courageous people, they're protecting the sheep from enemies, they're terrified. Luke, who's recording this orderly account, says it this way in verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Well, when the angel of the Lord appeared, it says they were filled with great fear. We need to have a fear of God. If we don't have a fear of God and his transcendence, his holiness, his reverence, then we just simply move through life treating Christianity like nothing more than a, a warm fuzzy, a cliche, an opportunity to have a better day than the one yesterday. This is not what Christianity is. It's not primarily a worldview. It is a story of the living God revealing himself to his people that they might have life for all eternity instead of eternity separated from God in hell. That's the story. Now immediately some people are like, well, I don't want to hear about that. I know what that's like. I've got five children and I love to embarrass them. It's good parenting. I love it. They all respond differently. My favorite though is Maddie, my second born. Because anytime I begin to be loud or do something kind of silly, she just turns and looks away. And that little turn and look away is her way of saying, he doesn't exist. This isn't really happening to me. My dad is not singing loudly in the carpool line while the orchestra's playing in the car. She just turns and looks away. But guess what? I'm still there. And I'm still doing it. And the more you want to deny me, the greater I'm going to act. I know. Pray for my children. We can turn away from it and pretend it's not true. We can take parts of the Bible and say, I don't like that. The world doesn't like that, so I'm not going to talk about that. But if that's the way we think, then when we hear 
the gospel writer Luke record the words of this angel. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's not going to be a very joyful message. If you actually believe apart from Christ, I will spend eternity separated from God, and yet God has done something about it so I can live with him forever, what is required of me? That's great news. But if you don't believe that there's an eternity, how firm are you in your belief? Who are you following that has taught you that? Did they send their son to die for you? Did they bleed for you to live forever? Or is it just kind of part of culture? It's almost sexy to question and be cynical. These are serious matters because you're going to die. All of us are. And those who are in Christ are gonna live forever. This is why it's such great news. This is why worshiping God the way we are is such a great experience because we're listening to these hymns that tell us about this savior who shed his blood that we might live forever. And then we're hearing these hymns, these anthems about a call to come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. Friends, this is the most important news ever. And what you believe about it has eternal consequences. The shepherds, they weren't expecting to see an angel. And then they weren't expecting to see a multitude of angels. Guess what? They had never seen either. And in the middle of the darkness, suddenly the angels appear. The angel says, fear not. They almost always said those words. And then in verse 11, it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, here's the angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts saying this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what do the shepherds do? The shepherds believe. They believe what they have heard. And so one of the shepherds says this, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem, they knew where that was, they're not far from there, and see this thing that has happened. Not to see something that might have happened, let's go see if this is true. They said, let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord God has made known to us. And so it says they went. And they went with haste. Why? Because they'd never heard or seen anything like this. And when they got there, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. You see, when you hear this great news, and there's an illuminating work that takes place by the Spirit of God that enables you to believe and trust this great news, you're a transformed person. You're changed. In fact, Paul says it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being born again. That's why we speak of a second birth. It's real, it's, it's, it happens. Let me give you an example. Sometimes seasons like Advent and Christmas find us just going through the motions. 
one more season. And we love it, we love the sentiment, but really it's nothing more, and that's dangerous. Because we need to see and remember, because the people of God so often forgot what took place that we could live forever. Sometimes going to a place where people aren't as familiar or have never heard the story is so good for our souls just as it is theirs. Many years ago, when I was serving as the youth pastor here, we took students to a part of the world that is a closed country. You can't go in and proselytize. You can't go in and evangelize. But if you were asked by a student, and we were there to teach English as a second language, if you were asked by a student about your faith, you could share it. So we equipped our children, the students of this church, teenagers to go, mostly sophomores, juniors, and seniors. It's an amazing decade of us doing this work there. But this one time I was there, I believe I captured regeneration on a video camera. Regeneration is simply a theological term saying that this is the time in which an individual is transformed. This is when the second birth is taking place. Second Corinthians 5.17 is happening. And the way it worked was this. We weren't allowed to simply bring in a Bible and do a Bible study, but we could talk about all sorts of topics. So one of them was American holidays. So one morning we would talk about American holidays. And one of the students was dressed like Santa Claus. They know about Santa Claus. They have Santa Claus things everywhere. They make most of the world's stuff that's about Santa Claus. Now, once that part was over, we had one of our students, a young lady, a junior in high school, take the pieces of a nativity set. And she stood up before the class of about 20 students, and she began to talk about Joseph and Mary. I was just sitting there with a video camera. Well, it was actually like this back then. Video camera, just kind of filming the whole thing. And as she's telling the story, I panned towards this one boy named Jason and a girl sitting just behind him. And as they're fixated on this story because they'd never heard it. Do you realize a lot of the world's never heard it? Tina is doing this. Jason is showing no emotion. But then Jason, when she's finished telling the story of this Christ child being born, the incarnation of this being the one who would then die, be crucified, raised from the dead, the whole gospel story. Jason was the first to speak. He raised his hand, I have it on video, and he said, and you believe this is true? And the girl teaching said, yes, I do. But what's so powerful to see on the tape was Tina, who's just behind Jason, who was going like this. And as soon as the class period ended, Tina trusted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And here's what that means. She, now 10 years later, thinks about what we're doing tonight totally different than she would have 11 years ago because she's been reborn. When she hears these hymns about the Savior, about the angels, about God sending his son, 
she's reflecting upon her own life and her own soul that she will not spend eternity separated from him. At that moment, God did what only he could do. He illuminated her heart and mind. As a high school student said, this is Joseph, this is Mary, this is the baby Jesus. And you believe this is true? Yes, I do. Now she does as well. All who are in Christ have moments in our life when the Spirit of God does that work that reveals to us that he alone is who he says he is. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. John writes later in his epistle, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Hear this. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. That's why we can have the assurance of salvation. Tina has it. You can too. The shepherds had this illumination that they could never have imagined, and you and I can't even imagine it. One day we'll see something like, like it that will blow our mind for all eternity. But they saw the angel and the host of angels, and they went with haste to see what had been told them. And when they saw this baby, and they saw Mary, they began immediately to tell others. I mean, it's amazing when you think about how God did this. The first to believe, the shepherds. First to hear, really. The first to believe. The first to preach. It was the shepherds. Now, yes, Mary had heard from the Lord. Yes, all those things. But in terms of this proclamation that was going to all the peoples, the shepherds respond. But there's another response. Look down in the text a little bit further. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard, who, all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. This story generates that kind of wondering. But wondering isn't enough. Simply saying, I I've wondered about that. that, that seems astonishing. It's not enough. Belief is what is required. Believing, as the shepherds did, that this babe is who the angels proclaimed him to be. And still there's another response, and this is where I wanna to conclude tonight. It's Mary. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And hear this last phrase, as it had been told them. It's truth. But Mary, Luke is giving an orderly account to Theophilus. The Holy Spirit is carrying him as he writes this orderly account. Thousands of years later, we still read this. We still share these stories with people who've never heard them. They come to saving faith. Mary, he records, amidst all that's taking place, amidst all the people coming, it says Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You've heard that several times in your life, I know. But these two words, treasure, and ponder 
are really significant. First, the word treasure. It means to keep close, to guard. Now, she's the mother of this baby. This baby was conceived as the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She was a virgin. But now she is giving birth. You can imagine how exhausted she is. But she hasn't given birth to just a regular baby. She is looking at a baby who is 100% man and 100% God. In 2008, George Strait wrote a song. Y'all know George Strait? Probably a lot of you have been to his concerts, maybe even called it a religious experience. It wasn't. But in 2008, 2008, he wrote a song. It was titled, I Saw God Today. And it was about a father who witnessed the birth of his child. First time I heard that song was hours after my fourth child, Esther Kate, was born. I had left Baylor Hospital with instructions from my wife, who was pondering the birth of this child, to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> the closest place was in Deep Ellum, and it was the Angry Dog. I walk in to Angry Dog two or three hours after my daughter had been born, and I order her a cheeseburger, and I hear that song. It's a great song. I saw my daughter born that day. It was amazing. She was born 12 minutes after we parked the car at the hospital. That's for another sermon. But it was awesome. But the miracle of childbirth enabled me to see something of God's faithfulness in his work. But when Mary was looking at Jesus, she was looking at God. When she was breastfeeding Jesus, she was feeding the incarnation, the, the one who is all God, all man. That's the gospel. Treasured means to keep close, to guard. Now the word ponder, it's a great word. It's pronounced symbolo in the Greek. It means to throw together, to connect, to consider carefully, to draw conclusions. Some of you might not believe in Jesus, and you know that. And if you know that about yourself and can say that, I respect that, I really do. But I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever pondered what this says about Jesus? It might not be what this says about Jesus that bothers you. It might be people who claim to follow Jesus, who fall short all the time, just like me. Don't let the followers of Christ and what might bother you about them keep you from pondering these things that God's word says about him. Tina, that summer day in about 10 years ago, came to Saving Faith. Jason did not. But two weeks later, in this exchange program that we were a part of, a number of students from that school came here. For two weeks, they were here. And I didn't have my video camera at this time. But I'll never forget, 
when one of our pastoral interns, who's now a pastor in Washington, D.C., Russ Whitfield, was answering Jason's questions, the questions that he had been pondering, the questions that he had been seeking to piece together. And that afternoon, Jason professed faith in Christ too. That means that God and his timing illuminated his mind and his heart to believe these truths. Mary believed the angel when she told her what was happening to her. Mary believed when this child was born that this is the Son of God. But can you imagine, as an exhausted young mother, what all was going through her mind? She wasn't questioning God. She was pondering the glory of God who had created and knit together this baby in her womb, not knowing all that was going to happen in his life, but knowing enough that the point of this birth was for the Savior to be born, and he's been born. We need to take more time to ponder. We need to take much time to treasure up these things to remember. I ask God every Advent season to bring something off the page that I haven't seen before, either in his word or in a hymn. And it struck me tonight as we were singing the final stanza of the first Noel about the blood of that baby that he would shed 33 years later. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught and with his blood mankind he bought. And you believe this is true? Yes, I do. But why me? Why me, God? I don't deserve this. And neither do you. And that's why the story is the story of grace. Ponder these words. If you're in Christ, treasure them up. Cling to them. If you know you're not yet in Christ, keep asking questions. We would be delighted to walk with you down that journey. But don't just ignore it, turning away, pretending it's not there. Because one day you will die, and that reality will not change what you sought to ignore. This is the most important story. It's a true story ever told. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we praise you again for the wonder of this, this child who grew, became a man, and he never sinned, not once. His righteousness covers us who are unrighteous. He took on the death that we all deserve to die, and he took on your wrath. And Lord, he died. His heart stopped beating. You put him in a tomb, but three days later, he rose from the dead. 
conquering death. And we are told in this good news that all who trust in him, who admit the need they have for Christ because of their sinfulness, because we're separated from you, will have the knowledge and the reality of eternal life. Friend, if that's a decision tonight that you are eager to make, to say, I trust Jesus alone for my salvation, cry out to him now. Tell him you're a sinner in need of a savior. Ask Christ to rescue you. Simply pray, Lord, have mercy. I give my life to you. Father, as we continue with these hymns that we know so well, some we will listen to, others we will participate in singing, would you strike us deep in our hearts and minds once again with the truth of what it means to be rescued by you for all eternity. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.